0: I'm Avery, and this is the interesting Liquid Talk Show Tilts. I'm your host, your guide, your moderator in this new podcasting adventure. Move over, Jat and Golden Boy. I'm the new bitch in town. Team Liquid and I are very excited to bring you the best esports, talent, stories, industry talk, and insights. So go ahead and click that follow button on whatever app you're listening on, and be sure to tell your friends. Every episode of Tilts revolves around a central theme, and this episode is heartbreak. What is it like for teams, players, and coaches to have to go their separate ways? We'll find out in a bit. We have a stacked roster for you. You've probably already saw their names in the title, but I'm gonna give them a proper introduction. William Lee, aka Blitzdota, aka Mr. Storm Spirit TV former professional player and Korean League champion, top-tier Dota caster, streamer, and coach, now the current head coach of Team Liquid Dota. Welcome to the show, Blitz. Steve Perino, a.k.a. Joker Steve. He has been with Team Liquid for over 10 years in various roles. He is the current general manager of the CSGO team, and he was with them when they won their iconic ESL Grand Slam 2019 victory. Thank you so much, Steve, for being here. You got it. Steve Aronset, aka Liquid112, he is the co-CEO of Team Liquid, founder of Team Curse, and everyone's boss.
1: Hey, what's up? <laughs> Thanks for having
2: me.
0: Steve, I think it would be disingenuous to the audience to not start off by talking about what everyone is thinking regarding Liquid breakups, and that's lift. He helped your team make a record-breaking four-split back-to-back-to-back-to-back run. Um... Does losing him hurt more on a personal level than other players?
1: Without a doubt, 100%. Um, Peter's unique in that we have a relationship of nine, ten years. And, you know, you go through life, you meet a lot of people, friends, colleagues, peers, and to know somebody for ten years and to have very important interactions with them that impact championships You know, there's, there's points where you develop trust. And I would say with Peter, every time he's promised me something or committed to something, he's followed through with it every single time and vice versa. And when you have that kind of relationship with people, you build an inherent trust and feels good. (laughs) And so when I had the opportunity of working with him during promotion relegation, And he came in and kind of helped save the team and get us back into LCS. And then the opportunity when about two and a half years ago, when he came on board with the team, it was, it was a real joy. And, uh, and we have a lot of respect for each other. So when he went to TSM here during the off season between spring and and summer, it was definitely bittersweet, but at the same time, We're an organization and a brand that goes beyond Peter and it will. And part of that will be our ability to continue winning, uh, irrespective of him being on the roster. And I know that doesn't feel great for all the fans that came over to team liquid, but there's been such an outpouring of support from the community on those fans coming to realize what it means to be a team liquid fan and to be part of our community and hang out in our discord and follow our socials and come to our tailgates and that it's such a rich experience that they're staying and that's just awesome. So I think, I think it's, it, yeah, it's bittersweet if I had to try to encapsulate it in in one word. Uh, can I ask you something, Steve? Yeah, of course.
3: Uh, do you think like having known him for such a long time, uh, Do you think either of you guys took it more personally than you normally would if it was just like a business
1: decision? I don't think there was any point during our conversations where either of us took it personally. And I think the reason why is because we were so blunt and honest and no bullshit. (laughs) You know, it's just, these are the circumstances, these are the facts, and these are the options. And that's why we were able to come to a mutual decision together, because there wasn't a disagreement of logic. It was like we were on the same side of the table trying to figure this out and both coming to the same conclusion that it wasn't going to work.
0: Blitz, uh, have you ever lost a player on a team that you had kind of a more personal relationship with?
3: Uh, yeah. So back in when I was in Korea, it was like 2014. Um, when I had originally gone to Korea... Uh, I had flown there, and I had, like, nothing to my name or anything like that, and uh, I joined a team. Uh, Somebody promised me, like, a spot on the team. We played in the first tournament in about, I think it was, like, five days after that, and after that happened, somebody on the team, the guy who brought me in in the first place to Korea was like, I'm out. Like, I'm going to go join another team. So then I was stuck in Korea with pretty much, like, no money, no resources, nothing. Like, I was just screwed. Mm -hmm. I, I was living in, like, somebody... I still don't know who it was. I was just <laughs> living in somebody's room. Uh, and like people in the Dota community were like, my close friends are sending me money on PayPal so I could like go out and get food. I it was wildly irresponsible at the time. Uh, and then one of my best friends in the Dota scene, this guy named Kevin or Purge, came over to Korea to just to help me out. Like we set up our team. It was called Zephyr in like a month and a half. He found all the sponsors for us. He did all the heavy lifting. Like he just came over because he missed hanging out and he wanted to like, helped me back out on my feet. It was, like, the best thing anyone's ever done for me, like, bar none. Um, We played together for about six months to pretty good success. And then some people on the team, as well as myself, I won't lie, we felt like he just wasn't good enough. Uh, He wasn't really improving at the same rate as everybody else was. And we felt like he was holding us back. And then we just had to, like, have a conversation with him and say, like, look, this is not currently working. And it was so hard to do because this guy, like, up and picked up his life and committed for a year because that was how the... The league worked. You had to stay there for a year to collect the prize money. Like, one year, that was the contract. So, he was there for, like, an additional six months doing nothing but trying to help us. And it felt like the worst thing in the world that I've ever done to anybody. So like, here's a guy who, like, helped turn my life around, essentially. Like, that was such a jumping point for so many different things for me. And I had to, like, tell him, like, sorry, we can't play with you anymore. Uh, and I know he took that really hard at the time. And it was such a personal thing um, that I think he's gone over because he's really mature. But, like, I've always felt bad about because... Like, that's... I mean, that was the best thing literally anyone's ever done for me. And even though he agreed with the decision, I still felt like I stabbed him in the back or, like, I screwed him over somehow.
0: What about you, Joka? Have you ever lost, like, a star player on a team? Like, someone like Doublelift?
4: Um, Dude, me and my boy Piglet, man. (laughs) We had, like, a special little bomb going. (laughs) And, like, we didn't really speak the same language, so it was really interesting. But he was pretty toxic. And, uh... He was also really good at the game, and he's, like, a very emotional guy, and I'm a pretty emotional guy, so we kind of, like, hit it off right away. Um, There was a lot of dick jokes, a lot of, like, fun laughing, (laughs) playing around, and I think that in most scenarios, like, he probably would have failed pretty hard, but I think, like, we did an amazing job, like, Steve could probably speak to it, too, of, like, trying to make him comfortable here and, uh, you know, just being a friend And to this day, like, you know, things didn't end exactly how I'm sure any of us imagined multiple times. (laughs) But anyways, uh, we're still close to this day and uh, every once in a while we'll play an ARAM or something together in League and it's just as toxic as it always was. So uh, that was like a special one for me because... Uh, being like a small town boy from New Hampshire and just like up and moving to California, it was like my first time actually like really interacting with somebody from a different country, um, where English was like not their native language at all. And I don't know, it was just a lot of fun. We just, like Back in those days though, I feel like it was a lot easier to have like a lot of fun. Things have kind of matured a lot since then. So, uh, that, that's like a special person for me.
0: This is so wholesome.
4: It was tough for, for
1: Piglet because, you know, at the time it was more unprecedented for a player to internationally relocate to another region where they didn't speak the native language. Uh, this is earlier in the esports kind of ecosystem where P1A visas weren't kind of a common thing. And so when he came, he was. Oh, my
4: God. You just reminded me, Steve, of like when you were just like, here's a P1 application, figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. I'll never forget. Oh my God. Like there's gray spots in my beard probably from P1 (laughs) application.
1: But he, Piglet had, uh, he had the just textbook definition of culture shock, I think, and also just missed home, you know, and it was tough to have him consider his new home with us. And I think, uh I think Joker was family to Piglet at, at one point, right? Like a sense of someone that was caring for him and, you know, thinking about him as a friend and, and going out of his way personally to just, you know, to be there. So that was, yeah, that was tough, you know, when you think about it, like just uprooting your whole life and going somewhere you've never been before. And, play with a, a, a bunch of players that you've never played with, and you just won the world championship.
4: So <laughs> um, oh my God. how the
1: hell did we convince him to do that? <laughs> Thinking yeah. back on it, but we did.
4: Man, that was tough. It was also tough to balance like the friendship and having to be someone to like tell him, like, hey, you're not doing good enough was always kind of hard. And I never wanted, as close as we were, I, I also didn't want the other players to feel like he was getting some special treatment. Um, And it's always, like, a fine balance of, like, uh, when you have a star player, you do do certain workarounds for that player, but it can't feel like they're the the teacher's pet, if you will. So that's always interesting, too.
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point because when you think about it, you know, hundreds of players that have went on to other esports teams or retired from Team Liquid that I personally brought on, right? And to think that we haven't had any issues, And I think one of the reasons for that is just expectations on the front end. You know, when a new player comes on board, it's like, hey, we'll give the world to you. Housing, food, coaches, analysts, the best team. We'll buy out contracts. Winning is everything. Unwavering. we We will be there. We will provide like physical therapists, like entertainment, like just whatever you need. But we ask one thing. And that's to be the best in the world at this game. <laughs> pretty easy. <laughs> and, that's and, pretty easy. And, you know, exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, and if you're not putting in what it takes to do that, then you just kinda know, right? Like the player kinda knows. You know, our, our standard at TL isn't uh, isn't fourth, right? <laughs> it's it's to be the best. And so it, it does make some of those conversations easier when when a when a player moves on from the organization.
0: Um What about Simple, Joka? Whew! (laughs) All
4: right, there's all the other gray hairs in my beard that might be the one. Uh, And Simple was rough because he was really young. (sighs) He came from, like, a very, 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 like, different background than the U.S., um, being from Ukraine. And, again, it was, like, total culture shock when he first got here. And he had this expectation that, he was the best, and he expected everyone to be the best. And, uh, oh, simple, simple, simple. <laughs> There's so many simple stories. Oh, my goodness. Like, I remember Steve, I don't even know if it, to this day, if, like, me, Mike Milinov, and Steve have ever spent more time trying to go back and forth and, like, get on the same page with a player. And, like, simple has a heart of gold, and, like, he, he literally gave it his all. But I think it's really hard when you're that good and he's been unanimously like the best player in the world now for a few years to understand why your teammates aren't as good as you. And that, oh man, that that was rough.
0: Did you, (laughs) uh, did he quit or did you have to let him go?
4: Uh, It was a little bit of both. It was kind of like he really missed his home, his family, Um, you know, speaking the language. uh, I think back then, The schedule wasn't as intense as it currently is in the CSGO ecosystem. So there was times where he wanted to go home because we didn't have tournaments and, like, we wanted to practice. And it was just hard. It was a hard balance uh, Mm -hmm. for Simple. He he would just wake you up at, like, 3 in the morning, by the way, and be like, we're going for a drive. And you're just like, I guess we got to go for a drive now. Or, like, (laughs) we would have to, like, uh, walk to, like, a store every single day no matter what he would say or do. Then he got addicted to Clash Royale. Oh, man.
0: Wait, what? Like the like the mobile game? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> that,
4: was, that was bad. Oh, the day he found out about Clash Royale was bad.
0: Okay, so you kind of let him go. He kind of left. Um, yeah. Do you feel relief when he leaves, or do you feel kind of nervous thinking he's going to get picked up by another team and then your team's going to have to face him?
4: Yeah, so that one was interesting. That was like a, we know as soon as you leave, we just lost a player that is not available. Like, there, there's no other simple in the world. Um, so you have to, like, kind of get creative and think of, like, other ways we're going to win. Um, and so we brought in what we thought would be, like, more team-oriented players. Mm-hmm. And uh, it ended up working out. We Obviously, today we've had a ton of success in CS, but in that point in time I remember thinking like oh man we're gonna suck again it it was rough like part of me was like a lot of my my nightmares are gone and then the other part is more (laughs) like uh holy shit we lost arguably the greatest player ever
0: yeah CSGO is like a team game so I guess I don't know you kind of want people who work together well and if he wasn't working together with people you probably ultimately made the best decision is letting him go, I
4: guess. I think he, just, he was 18 at the time, so he's grown up a lot since then. And uh, I think it was years that were super vital to his professional and personal growth. I think him seeing, you know, the world outside of Ukraine personally probably, like, blew his mind in a way. And professionally, I think he knows what happened here. And, you know, to not make those same mistakes with your teammates and be a little more understanding and willing to work with them uh, in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Blitz, uh, you broke up with Liquid, right? Um,
4: yeah, and, about and two then years
0: ago. you you Yeah, and then you left and then you came back to coaching again. What does it feel like to, to leave and then come back?
3: I wish I had left like a year later than I did. That would have been kind of cool. Uh, Why obviously is that? We, Well, because they won TI right after I left, like the year after. That was, uh, that was what, TI-7, I think? I I don't know, I just like doing different stuff. I always have, I always do something different every year. At the time, I was like, uh, we had been together, it was a pretty good year, Curl was like, hey, do you want to run it back? And I was like, no, I kind of want to do something different, just kind of see what else is out there for me. I really like valuing, and I value really highly, like, having new experiences constantly. Like there was no downside of me leaving, or there wasn't any reason that I left in the first place. Like I really liked the team. Um, I'd say Victor. I don't think I'd met you at that point, Steve, because uh, there was like we were firmly based in Europe at the time. But uh, I'd say like Liquid treated me great, which was why it was so easy to come back in the first place. But the first time I left was purely just because I wanted to see the world and I kind of wanted to get out of Europe at the time and come back to America just to see if things had changed. So no hard feelings towards Liquid or anything like
1: that. I was really happy to come <laughs> back. Yeah. I think I think it's um you know bring it back to the players. I think that's something that just happens. There's kind of this misconception from my perspective that players just degrade by the time they're like 27 or 28 right and that Mm -hmm. they're just downhill from there like their cognitive function goes out the window they're they they just aren't as good anymore and my theory is that it has nothing to do with cognitive function it has everything to do with just priorities in life you know and what you want to do and sometimes for players a priority changes right and you can no longer sacrifice your personal relationships and your family and all these things for a desire to win, right? It just doesn't have the same sense of gratification it once did when you were 18 years old and you were chasing to be the best. And so that kind of prioritization for each player, it changes is an ebb and flow. It comes and goes based on their career. And it can happen at 19, it could happen at 30, right? But the level of commitment that's required to be to be the best is is very high. And I think once you get into it and you realize, okay, this is this is like training for the Olympics all the time. <laughs> right? And uh, and that's tough. It it drains on you. And I think that's why you see a number of players that have either retired or moved on to become coaches or analysts or managers or all sorts of things.
4: That's so true. I've had that conversation so much recently with Valorant coming out with just players and like they think it's their second chance for like if they didn't have a successful end of their CS career and I'm like, "Man, well why did your CS career feel fail?" It's like, "Well, I was old and you know, I got married or I had a kid or, you know, something <laughs> happened that their priority changed. And now they think, like, oh, well, if I make gaming my priority again, or, you know, if I, oh, if I'm good enough to carry me in Valorant right now, I can go get like a, a paycheck somewhere. Um, I don't know. It's just like, it's so true. I don't think the age matters. Like, I think Internet Hope was a perfect example of that, for example. And it's more of what your priority is. And, um, I think as you get older, those priorities change. Did you guys see?
3: um, I know you guys don't follow Dota hard, but after uh, the International Five, EG had uh, they had just won in really dominant fashion, and within days they kicked one of their players. Um, I think they collectively won like fifteen million dollars together, and then like five days later they kicked one of their players, and I thought that was always like an interesting and like pretty unique and brave decision to make, right? Because you had just won like the best of the best. You, you like declared yourself as like the champions of the world in probably like one of the hardest competitions in the world and you decided to make that roster switch. And looking back on it, I don't actually think it, it was the craziest thing because I think if you're still competitive about winning, you'll still make the best decision for your team possible. You still want the guys that are going to be the hungriest and who you feel enables you to win a second time. I think like on our team, for example, we always talked about it, like if we end up winning, because uh, I think we can win, definitely. Um, if we end up winning TI, you, you get like such a large amount of money and all the responsibilities are over and it's such a big life goal for a lot of people, right? Um, how do you keep going? Like how, for example, if we started up the season again and we lost everything, do we decide to try to run it back or do we just kick somebody?
4: That's interesting. Steve, do you think you went through similar things with Smithy?
1: Yeah, I think uh, each player has their own way of showing their level of motivation. Sometimes it's, pretty introverted and it's not as expressive you know some of it is just not learning the same way as somebody else that is exhibiting kind of all of these signs that they're they're working really hard and for for Jake it uh, his demeanor led on to people that didn't really know him as well that he just didn't he, was, he, he wasn't motivated i think Deep down, he he is. He just doesn't show it very well. And I do think that at some point, it was more motivating to lose than it was to win. You know, it's like, oh, well, we just lost this past weekend. And then, you know, a little bit more spark. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think that works for a while. But in order to be great, you've got to love it you know, you've got to love it more than anything else. Like, there's just this level of enjoyment you get from just playing. Like, I remember hearing this story about, was it Perks, or um, uh, it, was, it was one of the players that's on G2, and uh, they they just, they don't have phones. They just what? play League of Legends. Yeah, they just don't have cell phones. They don't. That's no
0: way. That's real. No, I swear.
1: I I've heard Who doesn't this. They don't have a cell phone in 2020. Yeah. Well, they may have one, but what? they don't so use it. They don't are the best players. <laughs> they don't use their social media accounts. Like people have to post for them. Like life
4: is this game. If I try to take away one of my players' phones, I think we'd be looking for a new player like ASAP. There's no way. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. Where do they find these guys? <laughs> you know, and I would
1: even say like simple at times was kind of like that, right? Like he 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 was just obsessed. It kind of went and came you know, here and there, but he was just, you know, Yes, his life. He is obsessed and possessed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like unhealthy. You know, like nowhere else yeah. in life would it's would you say do this this much? You know, like that whole saying of like too much of anything is bad. Well, not when
4: it comes right. to sports. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at like your Michael Jordans and Kobe Bryant's and you know like other great sports figures. They all say like the same thing. You know, like how do you think they became the best? Well, I worked harder than everyone else, and I, I definitely think that was the case for for simple that dude was a machine and i mean i remember we would have to unplug even way back with piglet we'd have to unplug his internet because he would be like oh i could just play i, I just need like two hours of sleep and then the next day you would have to like shove him like 20 monsters to get him like awake
0: oh my god that's terrifying so are you scared to go and go against players you've broken up with like simple when i brought up simple like was that is that a fear of yours dude, i know our
4: team was like let's beat his ass i, I mean i <laughs> I think it was. Is the it kind of like
0: it makes you want to like try harder? Type I thing? think
4: you want to always maybe it's not. I don't know if it's intentional, but I always want to like f- maybe not me personally, but I feel like you want to prove you were right or you made the right decision, um, whether it was your decision or not. You want to just feel like okay, we beat them, um, and I think that's a honeymoon thing. Like when a player first leaves, you're like, yeah, I want them to maybe not do so hot, but then you know, like you don't wish like. A, a crux on them or something it's yeah. just for like the very beginning you you want to feel like you like you made the right decision so um at least that i view that way i'd love to hear other opinions on that i think i think there's always like a bit of enjoyment from a spectator
1: perspective where you want to see them play right i can't wait to see tactical and core go against bio and peter in the first day of lcs right Like that's going to be fun as a, as a, as a viewer, right? Like win or lose. And we obviously want to win, but there's a narrative there, right? There's something to prove. And, uh, I like that. Um, I'm very much of the belief, like beat them at their best and that's, what's great about sports. And so, you know, if, if, if they weren't their, their best on this team here at Team Liquid because of composition or synergy or timing or some issue came up, but they're going to be their best somewhere else. Like, let's play against them and still beat them. I love when it happens. I'm very bittersweet in many cases when a player goes to another team, but, you know, those are all done for a reason. And you got to believe in your process and your decisions that you make. And, and move forward you're not going to be able to achieve the best with what you just made a decision with unless you believe in it and you optimize it if you don't believe that then you've already lost so (laughs) like you gotta you gotta give what your new recipe is the very best chance of like survival you know feed it water it like all that stuff
4: wait i have to ask blitz then i gotta ask blitz when you when they went on to win ti once you left Ooh, how did that feel uh so i was in the arena when it was happening and i left um no no way
3: what (laughs) yeah i straight up peace. like as they were winning i mean i was really happy for them don't get me wrong i have love for those guys 100 percent um like i still talk to a lot of them uh me and my Tumba man still talk pretty much uh daily and stuff like there's no beef at all trust me like but there's like a lot of regret um it's probably because it's the international too Like, winning a TI is, like, the dream for a lot of people. So few people have done it. And if I'm honest, it's, like, a life-changing amount of money, right? Like, you win and you're an instant millionaire. That's insane to me. Like, there's very few competitions in esports that are like that. Where you win this one tournament and you're pretty much set for life. You know, like, what a... So, yeah, there was, like, definitely regret there. I still, like don't like thinking about it if I'm honest. I block that TI out of my memory. Like I I'm so oh, proud I'm, so, I'm sorry.
4: I'm so, yeah, yeah. I'm like so you guys good. can celebrate
3: it all you want. But like for me, I can't take that same pride in because uh like there's a lot of things that Liquid as an org has done that I'm really proud of for you guys and stuff, but that one especially just hurts. It's like yeah I want like, the best for you but
0: do you feel like you wanna you wanna beat Nigma now?
3: Oh every single time. Like for me, there's a personal pride standpoint, um, Because I did work with those guys, and it's fun to go against them because they're so smart and all those guys are so good. But at the same time, there's like a personal pride thing. Like every time we play them and we win, we'll make a joke and we'll say, like, the real Liquid won. You know, Mm -hmm. like, we wanna. It's so hard to try to beat their legacy because they had the most insane run, right? They won, they got eighth at a TI, and then they finished first, then they got. Third or they got fourth, and then they got second. Like, that's maybe, aside from winning back-to-back like OG did, that's probably, like, the best run anyone's ever had in Dota history. Like, they did so much on that team. They won everything there was to win. So, I mean, for sure, it's really motivating to try to, like, play them and beat them. And I think they probably feel the same way about us. Like, they always... Uh, I, anyway, I I always feel intensity whenever we play against them.
0: Do you guys think teams breaking up is more of, like, an interpersonal conflict, or is it because of, like roster performance
3: i think that results lead to interpersonal conflict i think that winning solves almost everything uh Mm -hmm. i would imagine that both steves would agree with me there like if you win you get to hide so many problems you don't really even think about how you won which is what we're starting to do a lot more on our dota team is when we win we try to think like okay we won even if it was like a bad team or we won dominantly what could we do better uh because in the past you would just win and you wouldn't you kind of take it for granted right you might have had some arguments going into that tournament and you win a series and everything's okay. And then as soon as you lose, everything gets ugly and starts to come out. And then, like, losing more and more just, like, continues to compound that. Like, every loss then feels like you've just added another crack to the team, in my opinion.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I, I can follow up on that, too. Like, I know for us and the league team, uh, well, okay, that maybe that's a little touchy subject for this <laughs> recent results, But, uh, like, we were the best in our region for a while, like um, at least a year. And whenever you're practicing versus these, I don't want to say lower tier teams, but these teams that you should be beating, um, every time that you lose, everything is a hundred times more amplified. So where there was a little personal conflict where, you know, uh, this player had a little bit of annoyance with the way this player said some word, like literally I've heard the craziest things as to why players dislike other players. And that, you can push it away if you're winning and everything's all jolly and good and you just won a Grand Slam and hallelujah, all that. But uh, as soon as, like, you drop a game like we did last week uh, to Envy, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, whoa. Like, you know, the, everything just becomes so much more amplified. And all of a sudden these problems you haven't heard of or thought you fixed are, are just emerging out of the woodwork. And I think it's really important for players to feel like um, – there's always progress to be made and whenever like they start feeling like whether that's personal or in the game progress, um, to be made, like whenever they feel like there's a a stagnant part, uh, that's where I seem to seem to find the most issues. And whenever players feel like they're not learning or they're not getting better. And currently in in the States, it's actually really hard to get better (laughs) And a lot of it is reviewing yourself and what you should have done better, and because you don't have the best teams to play against.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Uh, you definitely see more issues as you lose. It's tough. Um, I remember for League of Legends after we won the our first championship, and then because we won back to back to back to back, well, we didn't play with the same roster. We changed it multiple times, and. Uh, that's not easy, right? Like you just want a championship and you're making a roster change. And, and some of that has to do with just a really keen awareness on what the problems were. And if they don't fix themselves and the, the players not willing to either um, make the adjustments that are necessary, then you have to look at other options because the other, the other four players and their performance matters big time. And you've got to you got to make those decisions. So, um, yeah, it's 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 tough and it definitely gets worse when when you're losing. And that's where leadership really comes into play, you know, where countless times where it's like, okay, we just lost and you got to cut through the emotion and you've got to identify the the top one, two reasons why that loss just happened and you just talk about it and that's it. That's why we lost. And if you hit the nail on the head and it resonates with the team, you can kind of move on from it. Mm -hmm. But when it's like hard to identify and there's too many things and there's disagreement on what exactly it was that caused the loss or a series of losses, that's where you get into a lot of confusion and these kinds of, you know, maybe ungrounded opinions of why a loss occurred that seem more emotional and baseless and, you have to use proper judgment to identify the right things, and then hopefully make good decisions. So, that's that's the hard part. But that's like, that's what we do well, right? As like we we've, we've been managing. Like a, you kind of know, you can kind of shift through like what is
4: real and what's not real. <laughs> yeah, so. like after a tournament, if someone's like, yeah, like this guy just sucks, you know, like you're like, all right, uh, let's. Can you tell me why? Like what? Like, let's get through the nitty gritty and like, I find too like the second a problem. Uh, goes outside of that room where you are talking about the issues and you are being open and you are trying to cut through the emotion, if like someone's still unhappy and like takes it outside of that room, it makes the problem like 700 times worse. Uh, that's, that's a little, little tidbit there.
0: Can you guys, like, is there any signs that a team is going to break up?
3: Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> 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 it's uh, usually when... The most obvious is uh, when you ostracize or you stop everyone stops like talking or be like responding to one guy. It's usually how I've seen teams break up in Dota, anyways. Oh. Like one guy just gets phased out. He's been like left out of the click. I think that's mm-hmm. usually what happens on teams. Uh, I think the environment and like the natural instinct for a lot of people because they don't want to take blame too, is that somehow some way everyone arrives at the consensus that this one guy is the problem, and that yeah. kicking him will solve like all of these other issues and then every other mistake he makes becomes an even bigger deal and you start to ignore like all the other little signs uh and suddenly like you're like okay well this guy we just can't do it with him and then you just kind of phase him out. I saw that happen a lot at this recent TI uh I saw dudes like I could instantly tell I was like yeah that guy's getting kicked like he's not hanging out with any of his friends like they're still doing team
4: activities like minus one guy you just kind of know that's actually so true. I never thought of that. It, it's actually a pretty telltale sign at events when, where teams are at. Like, just judging by when they're not on stage, what are they doing? Or who are they with? That's uh, an interesting point.
0: Teams, like, shuffle a lot. Why Why don't we see, like, the same roster for years on end?
4: Honestly, I feel like Blitz kind of nailed it here. <laughs>
0: it's because of that?
4: <laughs> not, all right. All right. Steve
1: go. No, I, I I I think the biggest reason is just priorities. Life priorities. You yeah, know? like you were saying earlier. Like you, you you win a bunch of money, you want to go spend mm-hmm. it. You well you fall you in love. Someone. Yeah. You fall in love. Oh, like how are you gonna how are you gonna tell someone they shouldn't be in love? You know, like, you know, like it's their right to fall in love. Damn, and, Steve. And I feel like you would do, do that, Steve. <laughs> well, if there was a lot on the line I <laughs> <laughs> so, you're right into an international bit but you know like um, <laughs> but life happens is, is yeah. like the most simple way to put it and it happens differently at different times for everybody and and uh, that, that's probably the mo- if I had to point to like one
4: reason that I see most often it's it's that. I have a little bit of a different thing. I, I actually am more in line with with Blitz where it's like I, I, I view like people get frustrated. And then all of a sudden, they start becoming a distaste towards someone in the group. And, like, it, they almost just become the scapegoat to what could be a bunch of problems. are now, hey, if this guy's gone, like, the world is a, a way better place. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, so I'm more in line with, with what with what Blitz said, but I understand what Steve's saying, too. I, I think it can, be a, it can be both, right? I, I've seen both.
0: What's the most petty thing you've seen a team uh, split up over?
4: There was a rumor that
3: uh, two players that had just won a TI together, one player had slept with the other guy's girlfriend. Uh. (laughs) And that was, like, the reason they decided to break apart. That was pretty insane. Yeah, that was pretty wild. Um, I think that was, like, the weirdest thing that I've seen happen in Dota. I don't think I've ever seen anything, like, just like duking at or anything like that.
0: Do you think it's like necessary for for a team to shuffle often in order to stay competitive?
3: I actually think so, yeah. I think it's really hard to um, stick with the same roster. Uh, I don't know how it is in League, but especially in Dota, it's it used to be a lot more often in the past, but back in the day, you'd see guys like break up almost every TI. Whether you won, lost, doesn't matter. Like Most of the teams that won ended up breaking up. Um, And it's because, depending on how well you do, your priorities completely shift, right? Um, Like, a lot of the Chinese guys, and even some of, like, a lot of the players in general, you have these guys that play Dota for fun for maybe, like, a hundred bucks at a land center. And then all of a sudden, you're like, here, here's ten million dollars. Like, enjoy. And (laughs) most of these guys, like, don't know what to do with that. That same level of motivation and drive to, like, get up every day and play those, like, same 20 games in a row is really tough um like how do you how do you like manufacture that kind of will and motivation to do that at all times i think it's really difficult and i think uh there are benefits to sticking together of course there's familiarity you understand each other really well and you know that the potential for winning is there obviously but i think it's hard to determine whether or not everyone will have the same motivation as you do to be able to like What is that, like, Muhammad Ali quote? It's like, it's hard to be champion when you're, like, waking up in silk sheets. Like, you're getting up every day doing the same thing (laughs) that you used to do when you were garbage uh, and you had no money. Uh, And you're trying to get yourself out of this situation, right? Like, you're trying to get yourself out of, like, financial hardship and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, like, here, I'm going to give you all this wealth and all this fame. And you've hit your life goal. Like, now it's time to literally go through that grind again. Because it is a grind, right? Like, a season is a grind. It doesn't matter how many times you win in a season. All it takes is like three or four losses and it gets wiped out completely. All of that goodwill you've built up,
1: it doesn't get stored anywhere. It goes away like that. The game usually dictates the kind of infrastructure that currently exists around a, a, a particular game. And in some ecosystems, it's really just the players, right? It's like the players and the manager and like a coach, right? But there's no other infrastructure. And so... You go together and you play and, you, and you're, you're self-teaching and and sometimes it just doesn't work and so you break up. And other times there's like a, more of a system that is in place to teach and develop those synergies and bonds. And in those cases, that's where I think you see more instances of players sticking together um, from my perspective when they're surrounded the right, by the right kind of structure. Would I make a bet that five 18-year-olds are going to be together for four years straight? No, hell no. <laughs> this is not going <laughs> to happen. <laughs> you know, but like if, if they're older, more mature, and, like, thoughtful about how they work through problems, and, like, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll grow, you know? They'll develop that synergy, those inherent <laughs> bonds, and, like, they'll, they'll lean into crystallized experience and intelligence to make good decisions. They don't need to hit... All the the crazy shots and be the playmakers. You know they're just they're just solid in the way that they think about the game and the decisions they make as a team. So, you know some games lend itself more to those types of decisions than you know pure mechanics.
4: I, I'll use a like a current example is um, our Counter Strike team. We went on this historic run, like might never be recreated in terms of like how much we were winning and. It was a pretty short period of time, but we won everything for, uh, it was a little over two months, three months. And now everyone's expectations go through the roof, and especially like the community too. So now we're still, to this day, a really damn good team. I would consider us a top five team in the world currently, but if you're not winning or making the finals of every tournament, when all of a sudden that's the expectations that yourself and the community has put on you, it creates a lot of pressure. And I think what saved this unit is everyone is still working their asses off. Like if one person started slacking or whatever, um, the team would, would probably be pissed and they would, I think we would be going down a a path that was replace this player, yada, yada, yada. But the goals are all still aligned. They still feel like they can do it and they're not far off from doing it. So the motivation is, is really, really high. And um, so that's, you know, why? And if, if all of a sudden one of those players felt like the spark was gone or they couldn't win because of this player or, you know, this decision or whatever, then um, we would have to face that if it came up. But as long as, like, the goals are aligned and the work's being put in, I think, like, rosters can last. And obviously, those outside situations that, you know, someone falls in love or whatever, um, those, ha- those kind of, like, have a-, a ticking time bomb on them, honestly uh where it's like okay you can put up with it for a month or two but if you know player x keeps showing up 20 minutes late because he had to take his new puppy out as great of an excuse that might be uh it just doesn't matter like the goal of team liquid as i said very early in the podcast is we're here to win we're here to be the best and uh you know that is the goal from from the jump so
0: I have Doug Rosen here. Doug is a licensed marriage and family therapist. And um, everyone say hi to Doug. Hi, Doug. Hello, Doug. Doug, Doug, I'm curious about how the situations of teams breaking up uh, relate to something more people are familiar with, like friendship breakups or relationship breakups, because not, not everyone's a pro player. So I just wanted to see your point of view on that
2: you know, when you deal with breakups, uh, we know that in a relationship or friendship, you have, you know, kind of three entities, you have the individual, the other individual, and then the relationship as its own entity. Well, when you deal in team, team dynamics, you have multiple relationships interacting and cross, you know, crossing each other. And so, A breakup in these worlds is often much more complex than just like it's not working out. So we try to look at when we're trying to keep teams together or actually separate them, we have to look at the unit as a whole and then go down on an individual basis and see how those dynamics are playing out. You know, fans – for of of professional teams and all teams often get completely upset and dysregulated when their favorite player leaves the team or when the team is no longer the same team from the year before. But oftentimes this is not something that is just like shocking. These dynamics have been building and building and building for months, if not years, that's led to the need, the need for the team to, or one player two players to leave in order for the team to grow because at some point the team or the new entity can't function to its greatest capacity because it's being held back by some of the other personalities.
0: Oftentimes, like, fancy like, breaking up is, like, a bad thing. Do you think it's a bad thing?
2: I do not think it's a bad thing because mm-hmm. what it allows is when a breakup happens, whether it's in your own individual relationship, so if I were married, Oftentimes they're stuck in this dynamic, or even two people in just a relationship that it's not the best, healthiest relationship. And the fear of being without the other drives them to stay in the relationship. But when you actually can move on from the relationship that exists, the entities are able to achieve new heights that they weren't able to achieve had they just stayed in the comfort zone of the relationship. So oftentimes, more often than not, breakups are a process. And it's not as traumatic as it may seem to the outside observers, right? So if I'm in a relationship with my wife and then we go and talk to my parents and, we're, oh, we're getting divorced, to them it's shocking. But this would be years in the making. And the positive of this in, in team sports is that it creates more space for other players to step up. Right. So there's been this dynamic that's existed. And now the new entity relationship with a team can rise to levels that they probably were not able to achieve with certain players there or not there. It will be a positive thing in any situation because the player that leaves can grow and the team itself can grow because the relationships weren't working and it could have been bringing down the team.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you think like a team breaking up is as traumatic as like a relationship breakup?
2: Absolutely. Um, Because, you know, it's a safety thing and there's the fear of the unknown and the fear of the unknown for us all in life is scary. But once we walk through those fears and it can be when, you know, our favorite player leaves a team or someone leaves from our work team, we actually you will see that that space that's created gives other people opportunities to rise and become better than they were in the previous situation.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Do you guys feel like you have to be like a therapist sometimes for
1: your team?
4: I feel like that's my main job.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, on on teams that I more closely manage apps, I feel like a parent, a mentor, a brother, uh, a friend, (laughs) you know, a a psychologist, you know, it's, it's, it's everything you, you, you're this chameleon that needs to play to the role that's needed in that particular situation to provide the necessary advice or experience to get them to adopt some new methodology or principle or working relationship with their teammate or whatever it is. Right. Like, and, uh, this is is very much more so in the early days of esports versus now, you know, if like, there's an issue where like Jared Tendler get, 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 we're doing a call you know, <laughs> later tonight. He's our, course, psychologist, You're you know? To save my ass many psychologist. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and he comes in and, <laughs> and, you know, he does his job. He's licensed. He's, he's been practicing this. So it's, uh, it's nice to have other experts, uh, in the room to, to each their own trade to, to, to help with that. But yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're here, uh, to help, you know? And I think, I think, um, one of the reasons why we've seen so so much success at TL is that we do it with a lot of heart. And when you care and you're empathetic and you have the best interests of them at heart,
4: then it works out more often than it doesn't. <laughs> you got to remember like these players are also are, are with you or their teammates probably a lot more, 90% more of the time than they are (laughs) with their friends or family. So especially like in Counter-Strike, we traveled 254 days out of the year. Two years ago, last year, 262 days out of the year. Um, So you're with these people. You're experiencing sometimes super crazy things. Like, you know, you're in these foreign countries that you've never been before. Different languages. They don't have anyone. You know, sometimes back in the day, you didn't even have cell phone service. So you were the outlet. And yeah, there was definitely times where I felt like, man, I don't, I don't know if like I'm the person to give you this advice, but you know, it's better than you tweeting about it or something, you know? So, uh, yeah, I'm just glad we have people that we can reach out to nowadays and, and actually get, you know, some, some help or another outlet.
0: Um, Doug, what's the best way to let someone down when you want to break up with them?
2: <laughs> Gosh, I'm going back to my middle and high school years right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oftentimes being honest and direct is the best way. It feels, it can feel harsh, especially when you care about somebody, but being blunt, not blunt, honest and direct is the best way because it doesn't leave room for questions uh, later on, and... It's, it goes back to that famous, you know, the Dumb and Dumber movie, right? <laughs> One in a million. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And the, be, and, and the best way is to be really honest because we know that when somebody's really moved on and they're breaking up with you, the odds are it won't come back um, based on percentages and statistics. So to be honest and direct so that person can heal as well.
4: Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I was doing it right then. I don't know. Steve taught me that honestly early on. Like, and the, I'm I, I try and be a nice guy, and I, I remember some of the first hard decisions we had to make in my early curse and liquid days with Steve, and like some of those decisions were rough. And I saw how Steve handled it, and like he was very upfront, very honest. And I was like, man, there was like not that much sugarcoat in there. There was, but you know, I, <laughs> it was mostly facts. And like I took that with me, and. So many of the times now when a player comes back, like, we meet up again, the, they might have been mad or pissed off at the time, but now they're like, thank you, you know, and they've mm-hmm. gone on to be a better person or a better player, and, and you know, they actually needed that wake-up call. Um, and sometimes that's what it takes. And there's been plenty of times where, you know, we've watched a player go, and like, you know what, that player's going to come back, and or they're going to beat our ass and be the player we expected them to be, and sometimes that's, like, the wake-up call they needed. Uh, It sucks it comes to that sometimes, but um, it's just kind of the way it is. Yeah, it's almost like you
1: you're so emotional because you have so much invested in this, right? The team does, you do, they do. And that emotion can kind of skew the level of just honesty. And I would even say bluntness that needs to come with a message about what's happening and why we're underperforming or why this team isn't doing well and you just got to kind of cut through it and say all right i just need to present the facts Mm -hmm, and these mm -hmm. these are these are the facts right and you may not want to hear it and that's okay and you may disagree with what i have to say but this is how i feel and um and those are tough conversations man like oh
4: the hardest is when it's like the Give me a chance, like I'll prove you wrong. Get You're
0: like, it's like a real works? breakup. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh no, my gets, god, those oh, ones are rough. Those are bringing back some memories because I, I definitely, yeah, gets, yeah. I could feel like the pit of my stomach in some of those conversations. Like I remember this one player where we were practicing, and there was a there was a bunch of losses and. It got really frustrating, and it was very clear that this player was just not there. I mean, they were there, but they weren't present, and that had been the case for for weeks. And we just got to a point where I had to sit down with them and say, I need you to go upstairs and just take some time, and tomorrow you're going to come down here and either sit in this chair and commit to this team and do this or don't, and both are fine. But if you show up and you're here in this chair, you're agreeing to X, Y, and Z. And if not, I'll just let the manager know. We'll book a flight. No issue. No harm, no foul. He showed up. And he showed up and he sat in the seat and (laughs) we went on to win a lot. (laughs) So it worked out. So you told (laughs) him. Love that. What about you, Blitz? Uh,
3: I think usually, though, I try to avoid getting to the point where you have to have that talk. Um, cause resentment builds pretty easily on a team. Like if you don't talk things over and you're not communicating almost on a daily basis, like nowadays we try to talk on our team pretty much daily at the end of every day, we'll say, okay, how did everyone feel? Like, what was everyone's thoughts on today? Like this is the time that you can be toxic or say the things that you want to say that you might've been afraid, might've ruined practice or something. <clears throat> Now's the time to like, get it all out. This is like our safe space to just like kind of complain talk about the issues uh, that are going on with our team and let's try to get through them as best as possible. Cause in the past, oftentimes, like I just let, I was probably wrong for this, but like I'd let my teams try to work it out. But what ends up happening is people just bottle stuff up and then leads to resentment and nothing really gets solved if you don't communicate.
1: Wholeheartedly agree with that. I think, I think uh, a team starts going downhill when they can't talk about the problems and the issues openly as either a team or, or, or work to solve them, like they just get swept under and, you know, you just forget about it and you move on to the next day and you sweep the issue again and go on to the next day, sweep the issue and it will rear its ugly head, right, at some point. And so the healthy teams are the ones that just talk about it and they get through it. And, you know, the format for that, man, we've we've tried everything. I mean, joking. you remember everything with uh, one of the League of Legends players during Breaking Point. <laughs> like. You know, it's just you you, you go about any kind of, you know, you write everything down, you make lists, you talk about it, you sign things, you make journals, you testify that you're going to do something like you just there's just a million different ways. And then, like, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, you know, but you you give it as much as you've got to try. Like in the simple example, like he's he I don't think he would have stayed on any other organization as long as he. Uh, did with us right I think he would have he we got so much time because we tried everything to make that work but we kind of knew in the beginning at the first like couple months that that culture shock was was gonna lead to a point where it it just wasn't gonna work right he just missed home his home was never
4: with us and you know you you tried everything but just it just didn't work out if you think back to even the piglet and dom roster oh man how many bedroom meetings that team had oh my goodness <laughs> that was insane like it was but the reason we got through and i mean i think we finished with the the highest win percentage in the regular split that year uh was because the communication actually stayed open and we did have like a culture pot of like players from like venezuela china korea You know, like it was crazy. Americans, what? I forget everyone. But uh, anyways, we found a way to make it work because I think the communication stayed open. And uh, yeah, I think communication is literally everything. And the second that you can't talk in a group or you can't bring criticism to someone is literally and what I found is like the absolute tipping point.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Um, Doug, what's a good way to, uh, facilitate that safe space to, uh, encourage communication?
2: Well, I think, I think, you know, having it it's really about the facilitator and the trust levels and the trust is built over time in a group dynamic. And so you have to have, somebody's got to be the leader, especially of a team because you have such, when you have talent and when I have to deal with talent, talent are surrounded by yes people. They're surrounded by people in their personal life that are, Always saying yes to them and never really having direct, honest conversations. And so, when you're dealing with multiple talented people that are interacting in a dynamic, you need to have a strong coach, manager, GM, facilitator to lead that discussion in an honest, meaningful way that is not capitulating to their success and their personalities and their fame and is treating everyone as an equal in the group.
0: Well, Doug, I appreciate you coming. Uh, thanks for coming here with like a clinical perspective.
2: You guys are awesome.
0: Is there anywhere where the listeners can like find you?
2: Yeah, I uh, I try to keep a low profile. I have uh, the Douglas Rosen uh, on Instagram and email douglasrosen1 at me.com. Thank you guys for having me.
0: Thank you, Doug. That's all the questions I have for you guys. Well, that was yeah, a great that was I'm- a
1: great conversation. I, I I thought it was insightful and deep and. Um, and uh, that, that was great. I, I really enjoyed that. So thank you so much for, for organizing all of this. And it's, yeah, good, it's, good, good. it's good to connect with the team here. We never talk. You know, like, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> now, now we only talk when there's content to do. Yeah. Try, try
4: and look at Steve's calendar and find a time to talk and get back to me.
0: <laughs> this has been super fun and insightful. And I feel like I've actually learned a lot, genuinely, to be honest, like way more than what I knew in the beginning. Like, I feel like I could be a pro player now, to be honest with you. Um, but I appreciate you guys coming out for the first episode of Tilts. So, Blitz, where can people find you?
3: Uh, Twitter.com forward slash blitz underscore dota i don't really use anything else stream uh maybe like once every two years <laughs> you can twitch.tv no forward slash storm Spirit tv
4: that's where you can find me
0: all right Joka, how about you
4: uh pretty much joker steve on anything relevant you can find me there
0: and uh steve
4: same thing
1: liquid one one two on Pretty much everything.
0: <laughs> so. And I'm Avery, and you guys can find me at twitch.tv slash Avery or on Twitter and Instagram, Avery Ham. Finally, you can find this show on whatever podcast feed. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or whatever podcast player you're using. We'll be there. If you like the show, rate us five stars on the Apple page. It helps a ton. Also, you can find us on Team Liquid's YouTube channel, where you'll see us in video, if that's more your thing. Um, thank you again for watching. We appreciate it a lot, and let us know what you guys think of the podcast.